Welcome to the 437th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with author Jeff Lindsay, author of the Dexter novels, which are the basis of the popular TV show Dexter. Lindsay's latest novel is Fool Me Twice. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is best-selling novelist Jeff Lindsay. Jeff wrote the novels that the well-known television show Dexter was based on. The first book in that series was Darkly Dreaming Dexter. In 2019, Lindsay introduced readers to Riley Wolf, a master thief that targets the wealthiest 0.1%. And now Lindsay is back with another Riley Wolf novel called Fool Me Twice. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. If someone hasn't heard about your new novel yet, Fool Me Twice, how would you describe the novel? Riley's thing is doing things that everyone says are impossible. And this time he's facing one that quite literally is impossible. But he has to do it or he gets killed. And so does his friend and love interest, Monique. He's a sticky wicket, you know. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the Riley Wolf series? Yeah, I originally had... People are always trying to sell writers ideas, like it's the most rare and amazing thing in the world. I had an idea. Uh, (laughs) The truth is, any writer has got a, a filing cabinet full of ideas that they just don't have time to get to. So I had this idea floating around for... A couple of years, a charming con man who doesn't just do disguises, he becomes these other people in order to pull off his cons. And I started with that and morphed it so that the con thing, the becoming other characters, is still there, but that's just one of his tools. He also does parkour. And so it's something that he uses. It developed into a tool for the world's greatest thief. And which you need to make the character more complicated. You've written and published many novels. I'm curious, how did you originally get interested in writing fiction? I grew up reading. I was always, at a certain point for a lot of years, in fact, I was literally reading a book a day. And it's just an important part of my life. But it eventually started to become clear to me that maybe I could do this for a living. And, uh, you know, I started with the the short things and dramatic stuff, writing plays and so on. And it it just, at a, a literary agent saw a screenplay I'd written and said, if you can turn this into a book, I can sell it. And that's the way it took off. And so what was your journey to writing and getting the first Dexter novel published? Oh boy. That was pretty painful. Um, it took four, four and a half years to write because uh, I really didn't believe in it all that much, all the time anyway. I'd go, this is great, and I'd write a few chapters and go, who am I kidding? Nobody wants to read about a serial killer. And I'd stop, and then usually my wife, Hillary, would say, this is the best thing you've done. You've got to finish it, and I'd get back to it. And then after that, it was another couple of years of being rejected by everybody in the business at least twice until finally the stars lined up and it took off. So it was pretty painful, and I I gave up on it a hundred times 
before it finally happened. Is there a difference for you between writing the Dexter novels and your new Riley Wolf novels? The characters are very different. And going back to my background as an actor, it's you may approach the character the same way, but you're not going to portray it the same way. One character limps and the other one doesn't. Just as a stupid starting example. So you know, the characters are so different and the things they do and are interested in and want to do are so different that it's, it's not even apples and oranges. It's apples and pool tables. I'm curious about your writing process. Do you outline your novels extensively, or is it more of an organic process of seeing where the story leads you? With the Riley Wolf novels, the plots are so complex and intricate that I have to have it thoroughly outlined before I start. I can't have any surprises when I've got four different stories going that have to meet at the same point. Along the way, there'll be a surprise. Oh, it would be cool if this happened here. But no organic twists and turns. Because if you're if you suddenly decide, it would be neat, I'm going to send him to Australia. But the rest of the story is waiting in India, so it, it doesn't work. I know that Showtime has announced that they're bringing back Dexter in a new limited series. What can you tell us about that? Not much yet. As far as I know, the scripts have not all been finalized even yet. It's going to happen, and it's got the original cast and, just as important, the original showrunner. So I think it's going to be pretty good. And everybody's had a few years to think about what they did last time, so maybe it'll be even better, which is, that's a big hurdle to clear, but I think it may happen this time. That's great. Are you working on another Riley Wolf novel now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's in the uh, the planning stages. I've tried out a few chapters, but mostly I'm still trying to, there's a couple of kinks in the plot, which, as I said, they're very difficult and tight here. And I'm, I'm trying to work out these kinks. That's not the most natural thing for me. I've always been more interested in characters. And with a, a series like Riley Wolf, you really have to work, or I do anyway, have to work hard on the plot when it's this intricate. I'm curious, do you ever sit down to a blank page and have problems getting started writing for that day? And if so, what do you do when that happens for you? I quit. (laughs) Seriously, that does happen, especially this year. I find that it's harder to concentrate now than it ever has been before. And when I started writing, I was living in the the city and there were gunshots and ambulances and all kinds (laughs) of things to distract you. And if nothing else, you could walk out and go down to the boulevard and there'd be a thousand fascinating stories to watch. And now I got no, none of those distractions, but it's much harder to concentrate just because the world is falling apart right now. <laughs> sure. So what writing advice would you offer for those who are writing their own stories and novels and hope to get published? Well, there's it, it's, a, it's several volumes uh, <laughs> of, of book there. But basically, just keep doing it. I think you have to decide what you're going for. Do I want to write literary short stories and get published in small magazines? Or do I want to make the New York Times bestseller list? Or do I want to write for a niche and just have 10,000 people love me and buy everything I do? Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. 
It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And once you've decided that, you have to learn the rules for that and follow them. I wanted to do commercial fiction, stuff that a lot of people wanted to read. And part of the early process was learning the rules. And luckily, Hollywood helped with that because you really learn the sort of things people like and how to deliver it. But uh, the rest after that, once, once you know what you're doing, just keep doing it until lightning strikes. Maybe it never does, but you've got to think it will and keep going. What involvement did you have with the original Dexter series outside of writing the, the novels that were the so- source material? I think I could say that it, at least on the pilot episode, I was consulting. And they'd ask my opinion on things, and I visited the set several times. And they went out of their way, I think, to make me feel like a part of it, which I've always really been grateful for. Just as an example, I think it was after season three, but when they won the Peabody Award, they brought me up to New York to be at the ceremony uh, with them. And I sat at the table with the producers and all of that, and it was, it was very nice. It was thoughtful. That's great. So what fiction or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Let's see now. Uh, I am (laughs) rereading the Patrick O'Brien naval series, the one that starts with Master and Commander and goes on through 18 incredible books. And that's obviously enjoyable because I've read it several times all the way through before. But that's all I've been doing for the past month or so. That's great. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? I have a website at jefflindsaybooks.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dexter Jeff. Great. Again, we've been speaking with best-selling novelist Jeff Lindsay, author of the Dexter novels and the brand-new series featuring Riley Wolf. His brand-new novel, Fool Me Twice, is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Jeff, thanks for doing this interview. It's been a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me on. Stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of Fool Me Twice by Jeff Lindsay, read by Braden Wright, available from Penguin Random House Audio, wherever audiobooks are sold. Arkady Kuznetsov was tired. It had been a long day on the job, a day with extra strain beyond the usual annoyance of dealing with tourists. He didn't like tourists, but he had learned to put up with them. He had to. Thousands of them came to St. Petersburg to see the art treasures here at the Hermitage Museum. None of them spoke Russian, of course. Most of them just spoke their own language louder, as if shouting would make foreign words turn themselves into Russian. Arkady was polite to all of them, no matter how loud and stupid. It was part of his job, but a busy day left him very tired. Not often as tired as he was right now. There had, of course, been the usual tourists. It was summer, the season when they came here in great flocks from all over the world. But today, there was even more to deal with than annoying foreign visitors. Today, there had been a credible threat that's what his supervisor called it, that someone would try to steal one of the paintings Arkady and his colleagues spent their days guarding. Someone would try to steal a Van Gogh called Ladies of Arles. Arkady could not imagine why. 
He didn't like that painting. To him, it looked smeared. He preferred a picture to look like a picture. It should look like what it was, not all scrambled like this one. But that didn't matter. The important thing was that somebody meant to take it. Take it from the hermitage while he was watching it. As a matter of national and professional pride, Arkady would not let that happen. So he answered the usual shouted and pantomimed questions as he stood at the door to room 413 General Staff Building. And on top of that, he had added an extra layer of vigilance. It was a skill he had acquired in his 20 years in the army, a very high percentage of it spent on guard duty. He had never been strong or smart or skillful enough for anything but regular infantry, and it had taken him 15 years to rise to the rank of corporal, but he knew how to stand watch and stay alert. And when he had retired six years ago, his service had been just the right ticket to land him this comfortable job, security guard at the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. But Arkady was feeling his years, and to be honest, he had put on a few pounds since leaving the army. His back hurt and his feet were killing him. The flow of ordinary tourists had not slowed down at all. If anything, there were more of the annoying kind today than usual. Like this one now, the fat Frenchman standing in his face and lecturing. He had approached Arkady in a reasonable way. The man smelled of garlic and stale wine. His appearance was messy, too. He wore a rumpled off-white suit, which did not hide the bulge of his belly, and it accentuated the man's shaggy gray hair and disordered beard. Still, for a Frenchman, he had been polite at first, pointing to himself and loudly mouthing his name, Hervé Thierry. That was all Arcadi understood. Arcadi spoke no more than a dozen words of French, but he had made the mistake of answering plaisir, which he thought was the right thing to say. Mr. Thierry took this as a sign and had immediately asked a series of questions in rapid French. Arcadi could not stop the flow, and Mr. Thierry became more heated when no answers came. His voice got louder, and his fat, sweaty face got sweatier and redder. And that did not increase Arcadi's understanding of the man's pointed speech at all, which of course increased Mr. Thierry's frustration. He seemed to grow larger and redder all the time. He began to gesture at the paintings, and the word France came with frequency. Arcadi figured that it had become a matter of national interest for Mr. Thierry, probably because most of the paintings here were by French artists, or had been taken from collectors who had taken them from France. Finally, just when Arcadi had started to think he would have to encourage the Frenchman to move along, Mr. Thierry raised an index finger in Arcadi's face, as if to scold him. For a moment, Arcadi thought he saw a puff of smoke. When they woke him much later, that was all Arkady remembered. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at 
Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.